Hey guys, Pastor Bear here. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sherpsburg. You can also check us out online at www.realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. I hope you enjoy this week's message. Hey, listen, last week we talked about um, loving others. Uh, we talked about loving others, and I appreciate the great, some of the great feedback that, um, that I got uh, from, the, from the message. I really appreciate that. Um, this week we're going to change directions just a little bit. And, so, um, and this week, when I tell you what we're going to be talking about, some of you guys may think, oh, man, that's, that's not for me. Um, let me encourage you that it is for you. Um, even if, even if your situation right now is not where, uh, you were in this situation, uh, you could be again, you never know. And the second thing is, is, you know, people that are, and maybe you can give them some wise counsel. So today the message, uh, is entitled, whatever it takes to have a great marriage, whatever it takes to have a great marriage. Now we all, um, we all have, um, um, I assume have ambitions at some point to get married or you are married or you may want to be married again or you may not want to ever be married again. <laughs> uh, just depends on where you are in life. But we all have nieces, nephews. Uh, uh, we have brothers or sisters or we have kids uh, who, who maybe one day will get married or maybe they're married now. And we can maybe pass along some of the wisdom that the scripture teaches us. And so if you'll turn the Bible, your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2 is where we're going to be at. Just briefly, Genesis chapter 2. We're not going to be Bible thumping a lot today. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 18. Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 18. And I'll give you a second to get there. Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 18. All right. Here's what it says in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 18. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all of the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see uh, what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But... Still, there was no helper that was just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out of one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone for my bone and flesh for my flesh. She will be called woman, or as I like to say, Whoa, man. Because she was taken from the man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked and both felt no shame. What's going on here? Well, what you have going on here is you have a situation where where Adam has been created by God. He was created by God, and the, the scripture says that the breath of life from God had been breathed into him, all right, the breath of life. Now listen, that wasn't God's breath, so to speak, all right? What that means is, is that God breathed life into him. He gave him that life. And so then God created all of these various animals 
And he asked Adam, he said, listen, I want you to name these animals. And so this was a process to do, right? Because there's a lot of animals. And so with estimations, it had to take a long, long, long time. But here we see that after doing those things, that there was no suitable helper for him. So in the process of naming the animals, God started to see that he was lonely. And he said this, he said, it is not good. Now, everything else in the scriptures has been good. It was good when he made the trees and the planet and the air and the separated the skies and made the sun and the moon. It was good when he did all those things. But what was not good was this, that man should be alone. That was not what was good. What was good. And so he then did what you, I just read and that we all know about. He fashioned uh, out of Adam, out of Adam's side, he, he fashioned a woman. And that would be his helper. Now, I've done a message a long time ago about how what that word helper means, all right? He fashioned a helper. It doesn't mean someone who is under subjective or anything like that. What, that. what that word helper means is someone that walks alongside him. It's a completer, all right? It's a completer. And so, so what is going on in the text is, is that we see, what we really see is, is the first, is the first inclination of a marriage. That's what we see. Because we see in verse 24, it says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his what? To his wife. And the two are united into one. Now the man and his what? His wife. That's what it says. So this is the first marriage. Now I want to tell you guys something today. The marriage today is under attack. And you guys know that and I know that. Marriage is under attack. Attack. I want to tell you a couple things about marriage, and I want to tell you this, and I'm not going to get all political or anything, but I do want to tell you real briefly this. God is the one that created marriage, okay? The government did not create marriage. The state of Georgia did not create marriage. Just because they give you a certificate, they did not create marriage. I want you to know that. God himself ordained marriage. Now, whatever the United States calls marriage, that's fine. Whatever they call it, they call it. But the truth of the matter is, when you get down to the core, it was God who both created marriage and ordained marriage. And only that marriage ordained by God is the one that is legitimate. I want you to know that, okay? Because God was the creator. He was the creator. You know, a while back uh, when, I, when, I was, when I was much younger, uh, when the new Apple, the new Apple uh, uh, iPod came out, and all these little knockoff brands came out, and I was cheap, and so I bought one of those little knockoff brands. Now, it was something similar to an iPod-type thingy bopper, but it really wasn't the legitimate thing, all right? It wasn't. It was similar. It, was, it looked a little like it, but it really wasn't a legitimate thing. Same thing with marriage. And I want you to know that marriage is under attack today. A lot of our relationships are in brokenness today. They are. A lot of our relationships are in a state of brokenness. Why is that? Well, it's because we no longer value commitment in our society. Are you with me? We don't value commitment in our society with jobs. We don't value commitment with relationships. We don't value commitment in any capacity in our society. It's very rare when we will value something that is a commitment. And we no longer value one another as well. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed? You know, I think the, invent of the, the, the invention of social media has even decreased even further the value that we place on other people. I think the invention of social media has, has made us almost numb to other people's hurts, pains, and all those things. We don't value commitment, but we also do not value one another. But here's what I want you to know. Marriage, listen to this, marriage was the first, marriage was the first institution that God ordained. I want you to hear that. 
What we're doing right now is called a church. We, the building is not the church, neither are the lights or the music or anything. The people here is the institution of the church. And God ordained marriage before he ordained the church. And we're going to see why he ordained marriage in order for there to be a family, a family unit. And that family unit was the first thing that God ordained. All right. And eventually we're going to see this. He eventually decides this to use the family unit. It was the family unit, the family itself. That family unit was what God was going to use to take back what we see in chapter three, the enemy steals. Are you with me? He is going to work first through the family and then through the church, but first through the family. And so is it any wonder, is it any wonder that the first thing we see, we see this beautiful picture of a wedding, this beautiful picture of a wedding, this couple of Adam and of Eve. And the first thing we see after that, starting in chapter three, verse one, Lynn's gonna put it back there. Here's what it says. It says this, the serpent was the shrewdest of all of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he came and asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? So what's the first thing that the enemy does? The first thing he does is he goes and attacks the very core of the plan at which God is going to lay out for us. He goes and attacks the very created thing, God's most prized possession. He attacks that first. Why? Well, because if he can get the family, if he can get the family, then he can get the world. And that's how it is today. It's the same way today. The enemy still says, if I can get the family, if I can get divorces happening, if I can get people getting mad at each other, if I can get on and on and on, we see that. And what ha what's happening is, is that the enemy is trying to continue to take the ground which God wants. And that ground is called the family. But you guys, it all starts with the husband and the wife relationship. And that's what we're going to look at today. Satan has a tendency to take what God created as good and twist it just a little bit. Twist it just a little bit. He does that with money. He does that with money. He takes it and he twists it just a little bit so that for a lot of us, it becomes a, it becomes a stumbling block. He takes that with sex. He twists it just a little bit. And for some of us, it becomes a stumbling block. He does that also in marriage. He takes it and he twists it. And it, for some of us, it becomes a horrible situation and a stumbling block. So here's the question. What does it take to have a great marriage? Whatever it takes to have a great marriage, that's what I want you to follow. Listen, I, there's no way I could take all, if, if literally, if I taught this the way it was supposed to be taught, we would be here until about seven o'clock tonight. And I want you to know, this is really probably a five to 10 week series all built in into one message, all right? And so I know I'm not being exhaustive here, and I know I'm leaving a lot of things out, but I wanted to hit the highlights to encourage you to not only focus on loving others, not only focus on doing other things, but also to focus on having an incredible marriage. If your spouse are not, they're not here today, I want you to know if you guys are friends with me on Facebook, we are recording it today on Facebook. They can go back and listen to it. Now, don't go and say, hey, there's something you need to hear, all right? I mean, I'm pretty good, but you need to take a listen, okay? Because then you'll be calling me next week saying, hey, we need some counseling. Um, but listen, 
Here's the first thing I want to tell you about your marriage in order to have a great marriage. Here's the first thing. And right off the bat, some of you guys are going to disagree with me. But I want to tell you, in love, you're wrong. Here it is. The first thing is this. Your marriage comes first. Your marriage comes first. It comes first. Now, here's how God intended it. Think of it like a triangle. Your spouse is on one side, you're on the other, and God's up here, and that's where you guys meet. Your relationships with God are individually, but you meet to form the marriage at the top. And so the assumption here is that you guys are both followers of Christ and that you're already committed to Christ. But after that, your marriage comes first. What we do, though, is, is we allow... A lot of things to sneak into our marriages. We do. We allow things like work responsibilities to sneak into our marriages. It's amazing because one thing we'll do is, is we will work so hard to provide for the family that we have, and we will work so hard to keep the home we have, the car we have, the nice things we have. We'll work so hard to keep that for the family that we're working for. And what we end up realizing is, after a while, is that we're working so hard that we're not actually with the family to enjoy the stuff that we've bought with the money that we've been making. And so the blessing, the blessing that you have being a wife, the scripture says, guys, that when you find a wife, you find a good thing, okay? Now, some of you may doubt that. I promise it's true. (laughs) You find a good thing. So the good thing that you found, what we do is, is we take that for granted and we start doing things to try to keep up and we, we try to provide for the family instead of providing a, 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 a role and, and our role, especially as men, to be the man there and to have a relationship with your wife. That's what we do. Wives, you do the same thing a lot of times. We have other friends that sometimes can get in the way. You choose to do things with other friends instead of your spouse. Oftentimes it's unresolved anger unresolved anger from maybe issues way in the past. Sometimes it's resentment or sometimes it's frustration. And here's the one that you guys may disagree with me on, but I'll guarantee you it's 100% true. I've been there and done that and seen it. And here it is. Your marriage has to come first, not your kids. Your marriage has to come first, not your kids. Some people don't believe that, but I want to tell you something. It is 100% true. Here's the thing, and we've, we've got it up there. Uh, here, here's what I want to tell you. The best thing you can do for your kids is to show them what a great marriage looks like. The best thing you can do for your kids is to show them what a great marriage looks like. That's the best thing you can do for your kids. Now, I want to show you something. Now, when I talk about the family, here's what a lot of people think that I'm talking about when I talk about the family. All right. What you have here is you have the family. This is the family, the circle, this whole yellow circle. That's the family. And so you have the husband and the wife and child one or child two, or, you know, if, if you have more than two children, you know, three, four, five, whatever. Um, but here's what we think. That it's supposed to, yes, we are one big happy family. This is how it's supposed to be. And so we share each other's struggles and we do all these various things. But here's what I want you to know. The truth of the matter is, is that this is actually not correct. I want you to know this is not correct because your marriage has to come before your kids. And here's the way it should look. 
You have the family here as a unit. You have the children here, part of the family. But the husband and wife have to have a separate area there. Are you with me? You have to have a separate area there, the husband and the wife. Why is that? Because the best thing your kids need from you is not your money. The best thing they need from you is not necessarily your food. The best thing they need from you is to have you and your husband or you and your wife to have a super strong marriage that they can see, they can look at, and then they can emulate with their husband or their wife. Are you with me? And unless you have this, unless you have this, you will live a life that is really messed up. Now, here's the scary part. I told you that the devil takes things that are good and turns them into something bad. Oftentimes what happens is, is that when husband and wives, they meet, they fall in love, they're ushy-gushy and all that kind of stuff. And then what they do is, is they end up having kids. And when they have kids, they end up focusing all their attention on the kids. Okay, what they do is, is they run from this ball game to that ball game. They run from this you know, bowl to that bowl. They run from this activity to that activity. They do all these kind of things. And what ends up happening is, is that the main relationship right there, the main relationship, can you go back to the last slide? The last slide, the main relationship kind of looks like this. And so basically it's just the husband taking child two here, the wife taking child three, you know, one there. And then all you guys is kind of together. Oftentimes the, the, the kids are all in the parents' business and it's all, it's just a big jumbled mess. And what ends up happening is, is that whenever those kids get 18, and they decide to go ahead and go off to college, go get a career, go take a trade school, whatever they do, what ends up happening is, is that you as a husband or a wife look over and you're sitting there and you're going, I don't even know who that person is sitting across the room. And, I, and, you, and, and you look across the other way and say, well, I don't know who that guy is either. And you're like two strangers because you haven't, you haven't committed. When you, before you had kids, you were committed. It was all about the relationship. But when you had kids, that kind of fell apart. And so what ends up happening is, is you look like this. The, child, the children go off to school and it's just the husband and the wife. And what oftentimes happens is, is that when that occurs, either the husband or the wife will choose to leave and go find someone else instead of committing to staying in a relationship with someone that they deeply loved in the beginning, but no longer felt that love. Let me tell you something. Your feelings, your feelings, if you always in your life run after your feelings, you will live a roller coaster life. Your feelings will lie to you. They will, I'm telling you, they will lie to you. Because let me tell you something. I have felt a lot of things in my life. And when I've acted on most of the time, most of the time when I'm at, when I, it's my feelings. I'm not using my head. I'm using my adrenaline. All right? I'm going to tell you something. Unless you have a deep commitment and God is in your heart so deeply, it will lie to you. Your feelings will lie to you. And just because someone else makes you, quote, unfeel a certain way, all right, that doesn't mean you just run off and go to someone else. And a lot of times this happens because of this. But can you go back to the other slide, Lynn? The other slide. This is the proper way it should look. The husband and wife should maintain a relationship within the family unit. But the husbands and wife must come first. They must be within that circle. And they listen, they have to be separate. They have to be separate from the children. You have to be separate from your children. That doesn't mean you don't love your children. That doesn't mean that your children are important. They are important and they love you. But I'm going to tell you something right now. When I've done student ministry, and I've done it over the last 20 some odd years, what I've seen is this. It's when husbands and wife have a big jumbled mess, like the first picture. When I, when I see that, what oftentimes happens is, is when the kids leave, 
the kids end up getting a phone call in their freshman or sophomore year and said, hey, dad and I are not going to stay together anymore. And a lot of you guys have experienced that in your own life. You may have went through that yourself or you may have experienced that in your, uh, in, in whenever you went off to school or whenever you went off and did your own thing. So I want to make sure you know that whenever you guys, whenever you guys are in that marriage, you have to have that, have to have that separation. You have to continually feed into that relationship. You have to do that. Now, listen, I don't want you guys to sit here and think that, that, um, that Pastor Barry and, and Wendy, you know, oh my gosh, man, they just feed into that. No, we don't. We have to work at it. And quite honestly, a few weeks ago, Wendy said, all right, bucko, it's time to get to work. Come on, come on. You know what I mean? We had a little chat and she was like, all right, all right now, let's, let's, you know, let's, let's, let's keep getting to work on this. Let's do the right thing here. So, but I want you to know that, all right? Some of us allowed, though, I want to tell you this. Some of you guys have allowed your children to run your homes. You have. You allow your kids to run your homes. You have. You allow your kids to run your homes because it's a big jumbled mess and all, all you guys, the family's all in the same little huddle and the kids think that they have the same right as you, the adult. And hear what I want to tell you. They don't. Are you with me? They don't. Your kids should not run your home. They shouldn't. And I want to tell you something. You guys should have core interest outside of the, the relationship with your kids. You guys should have things outside of the relationship with your kids. They do not, they do not, and are not supposed to run your home. I'm going to tell you something else that's hard to hear, but I want to tell you anyway. Some of you guys want to be friends with your kids instead of being parents. Are you with me? I want you to hear this. Your, your kids, no matter, even if they're in college, they don't need you to be their friend. They need you to be their parent. That's what they need. They don't need a friend. They need a parent. I always like to tell people this. Listen, become friends with your kids once they're off the payroll. Are you with me? Are you with me? Because I'm going to tell you what, I don't want a friend that's constantly calling me saying, hey, Dad, can you throw 30 in my account? All right? But I want a friend that will come up and say, hey, listen, I got a new job. I'm taking you out to dinner. And I'm like, all right, man, let's go, buddy. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. You don't need to be, quote, unquote, friends with your kids, especially during the rearing ages. And you need to have a separation because here's what will happen oftentimes, and I've seen this happen so many times. What will happen is, is that there will be, and what this is called, what this is called in a, in, in a counseling setting is called enmeshment. There will, there will be some enmeshment where there's no separation between the mother or the father and one of the children, and they'll kind of get enmeshed is what it's called. They'll break some boundaries, and what ends up happening is, is that there's some issue that comes up between the husband and the wife, and one of, the, one of the two, the husband or the wife, will go and will confide in the child. And those things are hard to undo. Are you with me? They are very difficult to undo. And the child suddenly is looking at her, his, his father or his mother totally different than before. And even if, the married, even if the married couple, even if they end up fixing the situation, that kid never forgets it. Because we all, when we're growing up, have this thought of our mom and dad. And we really don't want that to be broken down so quickly. Are you with me? But that crumbles whenever adulthood kicks in and you have some inappropriate boundaries between a kid and their parents. You're supposed to be, your parent, you're supposed to be the parent of your kid. You're not supposed to be their friends until they're off the payroll. And when they're off the payroll, go for it. Are you with me? Is everybody with me? 
Who wants to leave right now? Y'all ready? <laughs> Listen, here's the next thing. You need to have realistic expectations for one another. As a married couple, you have to have realistic expectations of one another. I'm going to tell you something. I've met more people. I've met more people that have left someone with 80% of what they're looking for to go out and try to find the other 20%. Are you with me? I have met more people that have left someone who had 80% of what they were looking for, and they have left that person to go and try and find the 20% that's lacking. And here's the truth of the matter. When they find that person that has that other 20% and they think they're going to have 100%, they end up having about 80% because there's going to be 20% of other things that you can't stand either that your last husband or your last wife didn't do. You have to have realistic expectations for one another. Ladies, I want to talk to you for a little bit, all right? I want to talk to you. You can't marry a guy with the anticipation that you're going to change that guy. You can't do that. If that's what your motivation was when you got married, as you've already found out, I know I'm not telling you anything that's a newsflash, he ain't going to change. All right? Are you with me? And if he does change, it's going to be God who changes him. That's, what, that's just the truth of the matter. Some ladies, and I don't want to hurt your feelings, but some ladies need to turn off The Bachelor and come back down to reality. All right? I'm just being honest with you. Some of you guys, listen, they record that Bachelor show. They recorded over three weeks. And they sure swap a lot of spit over three weeks. Are you with me? You know, you, some of you guys need to have, don't have these expectations, these super-duper super expectations. And you need to think back to why you first got married to begin with. All right? What is it that attracted you to them, ladies? What is it? And you may be thinking, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Listen. What is it? <laughs> let me know. If you see anything, let me know because I can't remember. Mama, what was it? Um, listen, you need to make sure you need to make sure that you don't have unrealistic expectations for your husbands. What was it that attracted you to them? What was it when you first got married that attracted you to them? Ladies, listen, don't make fun of your husband's poor choices. He chose you. Are you with me? Some of you guys want to make fun of your husband's poor choices, but heck, he chose you. So it couldn't be that bad, right? You need to make sure you watch that. Hey, listen, ladies, I want to give you a warning. Don't hang out with single people who went through bad divorces and don't like men and want to yell and scream about how horrible men are. Don't do that. Don't, don't trust them to share things with them. Don't be part of the, you know, the he woman man hater club. Are you with me? Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. All that does is degrade your marriage. Don't hang out with people who do that. You know, those single people oftentimes will tell you, oh, man, it's so great being single. Oh, man, I'm so glad that old ball and chain's out of my life. It is so awesome. Can I tell you guys something? If it was so awesome being single, then Tinder and eHarmony and Match.com and Bumble and all those other ones would not exist. And listen, they are thriving and my favorite, FarmersOnly.com. <laughs> All right? That's my favorite. And they are thriving, okay? They are thriving. Ladies, listen. Don't have, don't have and don't take advice from someone who's already and who's angry with men and has failed in marriage several times. Don't do that. Don't do that. Go seek out wise counsel. 
Find some lady who's been married 30 years and seek out their counsel. Okay, do that. But don't go seek out people that you know are just going to tell you what you think you want to hear at the time because your emotions are all up. Don't do that. Don't do that. Guys, I want to talk to you for a second too. Guys, don't make unrealistic expectations for your wife. Don't do that at all. You chose her. You chased her. You do anything for her. You need to value her like God values her. That's what you need to do. You need to value her like God values her. I want to talk about something real briefly that's one of the worst plagues in our culture today. And you know what that is? That's pornography. Pornography is one of the worst plagues in our culture today. Do you know that 70% of men in America, including men who go to church, look at daily pornography? Can you believe that? 70%. In everything that I researched, in everything that I saw, mostly pornography websites are hit four times more than any other website, including Google. Think about that for a second. Think about that. Pornography is something, it is one of the biggest plagues in the church today. And what it does is, is it sets up this lie and these expectations that aren't real. And here's the other thing it does, it's addictive. Are you with me? It's addictive. Pornography is addictive. And you can't stop at just one image or two images. It has to continue and continue and continue. And what it does is, it ends up, after a while, it ends up ruining your marriage because there's unrealistic expectations, because all of those images that you're looking at and all of those videos that you're viewing are not real. They are make-believe. And you think in your mind they are, and you start trying to compare your wife with what you've seen on your computer or your phone. And that is unrealistic. I'm sitting in a group today, and I know, I know, uh, I'm guessing, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty confident that there's people here that look at pornography. And I want to encourage you to do this. Walk away from it. Do whatever you have to do. Listen, this series is called Whatever It Takes. If you want to strengthen your marriage, then walk away from it. Don't, listen, get a filter. That's what I have. Get a filter. Get a filter. Throw away your computer. How about that? I have a friend of mine who does not have a smartphone because he does not want the temptation. He says, I'll do whatever it takes. Even carry a flip phone, okay? A flip phone. Don't laugh at flip phones. Those razors back in 2007 were awesome. But that's what, that's what he does. He carries a flip phone. I'll never forget it one day. I was like, hey, man, what do you got a flip phone for? And he was like, hey, man, temptation's too much. I don't need this in my life. And I was like, man, I respect you for that. I respect you for that. So many of us, what we do is, is we have these. We have, let, me, let me just tell you something else, too. Last week, there, was, there were literally hundreds, hundreds Hundreds of uh, hundreds of, uh, of of people caught doing sex trafficking, sex trafficking. Young girls, 17, 18, 19 years old, stealing them, taking them. They sent out warnings all around. Guess what, guys? Guess who's starring in those pornographies you're looking at? Those girls. That's reality. I know we don't want to hear reality. I know we want to be in la la land and make believe. Listen. Don't have unrealistic expectations. You need to know what you're looking at. You need to know those things. So if you can't do it for yourself, do it for your wife. If you can't do it for your wife, do it for the poor girl that's been taken from her home. Let's just get, let's just get real here. You need to address that issue, even if you have to throw away your cell phone, even if you have to go to a flip phone. Now listen, if some of y'all come in with flip phones next week, I'm not going to hate on you, okay? It's like, 
All right, guess I got to him. All right. I know, wait a couple months, I guess. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. But listen, listen, make sure you address that. Get a filter. The last thing is this. When major problems arise, I'm gonna challenge you to seek counsel if needed. Seek counsel if needed. Can I tell you what has gotten in the way of so many marriages? Can I tell you one of the biggest things that has gotten in the way of, a, of an institution that God ordained from the very beginning? From the very beginning, God ordained this. Can I tell you what has gotten in the way? The word pride. That's what's gotten in the way. The word pride has gotten in the way of marriages. I have seen marriages fail over the word pride because whenever they started having issues, they did not want to seek godly counsel. They did not. I told you last week, if you're going to help other people, it needs to cost you something. And I'm going to tell you this week as well. When I say that you need to seek counsel, I'm not talking about coming and talking to me because I'll talk to you for a couple of times, but then I'm going to send you on. If you need to talk, that's great, but I'm going to send you on to a professional counselor who is trained, who went to school, and who can help you much deeper than I can help you, okay? Some of you guys have come to me and said, listen, we, we would go to a counselor, but we can't afford it. Can you afford a divorce? Can you afford splitting your assets? Can you afford, I mean, literally, can you afford all those things? Can I tell you something? A hundred bucks for a counselor a session is going to be a lot cheaper than that divorce. Let me just let you know, okay? I've seen families go through it. And let me say something to you guys. Guys, don't let your wife, because she's upset about the state of your marriage, don't let your wife go to counseling alone. Be a man. Step up. Go to counseling with her. Try to work on the marriage with her. You're not too manly enough to go in and be honest. You're not too manly enough. Your pride needs to take a back seat and put someone else first. If you have issues, you need to seek counseling in your marriage. It will do you a world of good. It will do you a world of good. And men, you need to be the examples in the home. Listen, don't forget when God comes down, when he, when he comes back, he's going to look to you because you're supposed to be the leader of the home. He's going to look to you. You're the one that's supposed to be the example. You're the one that is in the role of the church in Christ. You're the role of Christ. You're the one that's supposed to be the example. You're the one that's supposed to set the example. You're the one that's supposed to be the biggest servant. You're the one that's supposed to seek that out. And I want to encourage you to do that. Listen, you can't have unrealistic expectations in your marriage and think that it's going to, be, it's going to fly. Listen, I know, I know that that person may get on your nerves. I know they may. But can I tell you something? There's other things. There's other things that they do that are great. And the best thing you can do is you cannot compare one, you cannot compare one person to another person and say, oh, well, they've got that over there. Or some lady that comes in and says, oh, man, my husband sends me flowers once a week. You know what I mean? And you're sitting there thinking, well, dude, I got a weed a couple weeks ago when he was pulling the grass. You know what I mean? Listen, you can't do that and compare that. All right, because I tell you what, there's a lot of issues that that lady's telling you that are not reality. She's not telling you the full story because people are people and humans are humans. And so not only do we need to seek counsel when we have major things arise, we also need to make sure that we have realistic expectations. And to do whatever it takes, you need to make sure that your marriage comes first. That's a brief, brief thing on marriage. We probably go a lot deeper at some point in the future and do a series. But I want to tell you something. The best thing you can do for your kids, the best thing you can do for your families, the best thing you can do for your brothers and sisters, the best thing you can do for this church is to have a strong, strong marriage. You know, a lot of us have been through divorce. We've been, we've been divorced. 
A lot of us have been through divorce. I'm going to tell you something. For me and, and, and for, for Wendy, we decided that all those things were going to stop with us. And my brothers and I sat down and we said, hey, listen, I got your back. You got my back. And my brothers and I have a pack. If I start nutting up down here and doing stupid stuff, my brothers have told me we're driving down to Noonan, Georgia, and we're kicking your tail until you decide that you're going to do better. All right. And we all have that pact. If you think you're going to go off and just ditch your wife, no, you're not going to do any of that. All right. As a matter of fact, if you try to do that, just go ahead and let you better hide somewhere because we're going to find you. Okay. We've got that. Why is that? Well, because we don't want that to be passed down to the next generation and to the next generation. We want to be good examples for our for our kids. I want to tell you something. If you've been through a divorce, listen, if you're here today and you've been through a divorce, God, God forgives that. He forgives you. If God so brings you someone else, make sure that you want to be the example in that relationship to your kids. Make sure that you want to, you want to hold that up. Make sure that you're doing the right things now. Hey, listen, some of us have made mistakes in the past. I've made mistakes in the past. You can't unscramble eggs, you guys. You have to go ahead, accept it, and move on and be the best you you can be for the next relationship. And that includes connecting with God and finding out what he thinks about the relationship. Is anyone's toes hurting from me stepping on them? I hope not. I hope not. Listen, I want every one of you guys to have great marriages. I want you to have a marriage that thrives. But I also want you to understand that there's, there's some things you have to do. And one of them is to put, it, put, put, your, put your marriage first in the relationship. Put it first. You have to make sure that you're not having unrealistic expectations of your spouse. And then finally, you, you have to make sure that if there are issues that you seek out counseling and you're committed to going to that until you get those, those things fixed. Remember, feelings will come and feelings will go. But eventually, eventually you can reclaim what you had in the, in the beginning. You can reclaim that spark. You can do it. I promise you can. I've seen it happen a gazillion times. You have to be committed. And I'm going to be completely honest with you and tell you, most people aren't. Most people aren't. Why don't you be the example? I'll help you be the example. Let's be the example together. Let me pray for you. Lord God, thank you so much for today and thank you for this word. I'm so thankful, God, that you, that you saw fit to create us both man and woman. Lord, let us be people that, um, that genuinely care about others to the point where uh, we will be willing to put our spouses first. Um, Lord God, I just pray that we can be an example for those that are here. I pray that we can be an example for those that are not here. I pray that we can be the example for, for those in our community. God, I, I just uh, I pray that we have strong marriages here at Real Church, and I pray that we embrace the relationships, the blessing, the blessing that you've given us, Lord. Let us do that, God, and as we see your hand, as we see your hand, we will not take credit. We will not say, yeah, man, I, I did it. We'll say, you know what? God once again has shown up and shown out. Lord, just so thankful for who you are. In the high and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you would like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us on Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Also, check out our website or Facebook page for directions. Until next time, God bless, and remember to love God, love others, and live real.